How will the Dallas Cowboys try to slow down Darren Waller on Sunday Night Football? All that and more this episode of the Locked On Cowboys Podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked Network, your on. team every day. Locked On. Locked, Locked On. Locked on Cowboys. Welcome back to the Locked on Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, today we're answering Twitter questions for the final time before the season yeah. begins. We've got a lot of really good ones, so let's jump right into it. First question here from Kyle. How would you like to see the Cowboys try to cover Darren Waller, the newest weapon of the Giants? Is it Stephon Gilmore? Is it J. Ron Curse? What do you want to see here? Well, I think the best part about this for the Cowboys is that they have options, right? Like most mm-hmm. teams don't have more than one really good option to try to attack covering a tight end. But the Cowboys have, you know, one guy who is almost kind of specifically a, a tight end cover guy in Javon uh, Kirst. And, and, and another, you know, set of guys who you feel like, yeah, could rotate in and do some uh, uh, some work there if you needed to. You mentioned Gilmore. I would say McQuamu is another guy that you mm-hmm. can consider here. You know, just some of your bigger guys. I mean, even Trayvon Diggs from occasionally, but they may mix it up just because Darren Waller is going to be the focus of the passing attack for the yep. Giants. Yep. Um, he is definitely considered to be their number one wide receiver. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I think Curse is probably your first line of defense here. I mean, that's really where he specializes. Uh, but I think it's also really important, like we mentioned, to, to kind of mix it up, make sure multiple people are getting looks here. You're going to want to double them sometimes. Uh, so I think it's it's about mixing coverage and kind of keeping them guessing. Uh, but I would imagine if we're at, if, if you're asking me to single out one guy who's going to be getting the lion's share of kind of coverage on here, I, I would imagine it would be Curse. I agree with you. I think it's going to be Curse. We have seen Stephon Gilmore do this in the past. Uh, Bill Belichick has used them in different ways to stop tight ends, but if I had to guess, I I think Dan Quinn is going to want to play a lot of cover one and some cover three looks, right? So that way they can keep as many players close to the box as sure. possible to help stop Daniel Jones running the ball, help stop Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, help stop some of these slot receivers. So, and especially when you look at like the, the other outside receivers on this team and it's Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt making his first appearance, like I think the Cowboys probably feel pretty good about their corners and leaving them in an island. So didn't just put as many guys in the box as possible to try to disrupt Darren Waller, to put an extra linebacker in there that could just be in the way for Daniel Jones to consider. I, I've got to believe that's going to be Dan Quinn's strategy here. Yeah, I think clog it up in the short area, make Daniel Jones throw the ball down the field in order to kind of move the football. Uh, you know, that's just – it's not necessarily his game. And, and, and to kind of play him off uh, – his offhand a little bit. And you know, like – yeah, they did add some speed. They, like you mentioned, they added Jalen Hyatt. He can get up the field. Uh, Slayton obviously can get down the field. But uh, I would much rather see them try to live and die yeah. uh, throwing down the foot, throwing the field down the, the throwing the ball down the field because they felt like they couldn't get enough in the run game or in the short passing game to kind of consistently move the ball. That's that's the kind of situation where 
you're forcing them to hold to the ball. You're 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 playing to the advantage of your of your superior coverage. Uh, that's 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 how you the Cowboys get the the, the Giants into a negative gameplay. And that's exactly right. They want Daniel Jones to hold onto the ball so their pass rushers can get to him and impact the play. Um, but if you want more kind of breakdown of this Cowboy Giants matchup, especially from a Giants perspective, on tomorrow's show, the crossover show, uh, I spoke with Patricia Trena. That's going to be up early Thursday morning on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you check out that. Later, let's get to some other more Cowboys related questions. Uh, I mean, a lot of people want to know about Tyler Smith. Uh, somebody asked, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about Tyler Smith? Tammy, who's the uh, backup at left guard if Tyler Smith can't go? Just kind of an update of where we are with the Cowboys' second-year guard. Well, it's being determined. I mean, they had he had an MRI yesterday, and it's, it, they did confirm it was a strain. Um, a strain usually, I mean, I, I'm not going to hold anybody to this because none of us are doctors, including the people that told us this information, but a strain is usually considered to be a grade one hamstring injury. Uh, this is something that, you know, he can play with depending on the severity. I mean, but let's not hold that to him. Like, like Mike McCarthy mentioned in the, uh, in the, the, uh, uh, press conference this morning, this is his first hamstring injury. So he's, they're still trying to feel it out exactly, you know, like, how how his body recovers from a hamstring injury, um, I, I tend to think that he probably will play. It will just you know it will have an effect. It will be painful. Uh, I don't know that it's going to have you know. I, I mean, again, I don't know anything more than what we've seen reported. But if it's just a grade one, uh, you know, hopefully that's something he will play with. It'll it'll be painful a little bit, but it shouldn't have a major effect on his uh, ability to play. Um, you well, know, we also I, mentioned on yesterday's podcast, like offensive linemen and defensive linemen, for the most part, can play with a hamstring injury more often and more regularly than a corner can or a wide receiver can. Like if this was Trayvon Diggs that suffered this injury on Monday, he's not playing on Sunday. Like it's just not happening. I, I also think it's worth noting that Tyler Smith is what, like 22 years old. 22. I think that makes a huge difference. Like young, yeah. young players rec- bounce back from these kind of things very quickly. This is not you know, Cooper cup, 30 years old, having yeah. a reoccurring uh, hamstring injury. So uh, I, I tend to think that he, he can play. And, 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 and if he doesn't play, you know, I think what we're doing is we're having a conversation about, is it TJ Bass? Is it Adoga? Is it a Richards? Who do you want uh, it to be? I, you know, I think I said before that, you know, if he's healthy, Adoga makes sense um, simply because he's a veteran, you know, he has some experience there. Um, but I also think that TJ Bass makes a lot of sense because they have some power there. I, I think Richards is more of the upside play. Uh, you know, I, I, I like Richards and I wouldn't be upset with him at all playing. But I think if we're talking about for week one, who's you know got the power to kind of hold up inside against those defense tackles, I definitely would rather have the veteran or the the, the undrafted free agent who I know is, is you know, specialty in power. So that's probably my take there. Yeah, we've seen some pretty bad uh, guard start for the Cowboys over the years in week one between Phil Costa started one year, Montre oh. Holland was actually not too bad. Oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, oh, man, they've had some really bad guards play. Old time. Brian Waters when he, <laughs> when he oh, I didn't mind that one. I didn't no, mind No, he wasn't Brian bad, Waters. but it's just kind of throwing in, like, guys that have, like – Listen, beyond Corey that, Proctor. too, we did, we did have a, an examination on – Cowboys uh, offensive line hamstring injuries the week before we we play week one games. There's just something going on yeah. that uh, that is that needs to be examined there. I think. Yeah. Uh, so the good news is that he is going to be working off to the side with Britt Brown, which at least tells you like he can 
do something. It's not like he's laid up in bed or anything like that. He's still able to be out there on the field rehabbing. Same with Donovan Wilson. Same with Sam Williams. Those are the three players that we're keeping an eye on for week one. Of those three, who do you think is the most likely to play this week? I think Tyler, probably. I, I mean, again, we don't know the severity of these. And maybe and maybe the answer is actually Donovan Wilson, simply because uh, uh, I think his Donovan's may have been the most serious of these injuries, uh, but he's also had the longest to recover sure. from it. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's very likely that Donovan is just on schedule and this is where he is. So probably one of those two. All right, let's talk about Dak Prescott, who has – Throughout his career, played really, really well against the Giants. How will he perform here in week one? We'll get to that next. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. No matter why you shave, Harry's has you covered with the best shave of your life at a price that you're absolutely going to love. From their legendary high-quality razors to skin products like their face wash or their hydrating lotion, Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag get better quality and a better price than other razors when you get harry's delivered directly to your door they sent me a box probably three weeks ago now and i absolutely love it i can't tell you how good the experience is there's really no reasons no reason not to try harry's because right now they're offering a no risk trial don't like your shave no worries don't even have to send it back it's on them Plus, Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry. It's absolutely phenomenal. Get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That is harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. The Locked On Ultimate NFL Season Preview is here. This seven-episode extravaganza brings opinions, analysis, and plenty of debate from all 32 of our local Locked On NFL hosts with some added insights from our national experts. It's a can't-miss series before the season kicks off. Catch every episode on Locked On NFL on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Landon, we've got a question here about Dak, who, again, has played really, really well uh, against the Giants in his career. Do you, do you expect Dak to be more passive in this game, or do you expect him to come out pretty aggressive? You know that there's been a lot of talk this offseason about his interceptions. Do you think he's going to be more conservative to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over? Well, let's let's consider who we're playing week one, because I think that matters, right? The Giants and their defensive coordinator, who's Wink Martindale. And Wink Martindale didn't meet, uh, has never met a, a zero blitz that he doesn't love, yeah. uh, you know, emphatically. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, you know, because of the aggressive nature of the defensive coordinator you're facing this week, you're going to see an aggressive DAC because he is going to be attacking the blitz. He's going to be attacking where they, they are occupying. And this is honestly one of the reasons that Dak has had such great success against these kind of defenses because he is really, really good against the blitz. He's one yeah. of the best in yeah. the entire league uh, against the blitz. So uh, I, I tend to think that in general, Dak is not going to be more passive. I think that that, that kind of uh, uh, talking point you know, is, is being driven by the fact that he had a lot of uh, interceptions this this. Uh, last season and I, I don't think changing Dak's uh demeanor is is the solution to getting no. uh less interceptions so 
uh, or it may it may cause you to get less interceptions, but that's not the way that we want to change it because we want him to continue to be aggressive. So I tend to think that Dak is going to come out and play the normal amount of aggressive he, as he would normal in normal you know season, yeah. uh, and then maybe a little bit extra because of the fact that they're playing Martindale, who's going to come after him pretty heavily, and Dak's going to attack right back. I also think he's going to have to be aggressive because I just have my doubts about this run game early on in the season. And we see this almost every year. Like typically teams really struggle to run the ball in September as they're getting used to the new offensive line, as they're getting used to the physicality. And when you've got Tony Pollard coming back from an injury, you might have a backup left guard in this thing. And the Giants have a really good front. Like that's one of the things they can do really well is stop the run. So there's a chance you must might get into a lot of third and sevens and third and eights. And that's where Dak is going to have to be aggressive on the other side. I think he's going to want to be aggressive because he's got two rookie corners that he's going to be attacking on the outside in favorable matchups with probably Michael Gallup on Deontay Banks and then probably Brandon Cooks on Trey Hawkins, a six-round pick. Like It, it, it almost doesn't make sense for Dak to play passive against yeah. the Wink-Martindale defense. Yeah, and, and again, like – Playing passive is not the solution here. No. Like I, I understand that this again, this is a talking point about trying to reduce interceptions. Reducing interceptions is not as important as being aggressive with the football down the field. No. Um, and and again, the interception total. Go back and look at you know uh, turnover worthy plays and, and and Dak had a string of bad luck. I think he was somewhere in the middle of the pack in, in turnover worthy plays. But led the interception, led the league in interceptions. Like that's just which that's bad. That's bad turnover luck. I also believe I'll have to double check this, but I, he had 15 interceptions last year. I think that was either the lowest or the second lowest total in NFL history is to lead the NFL yes. history, lead the league in interceptions. So everybody says, "Yeah, he led the league in interceptions and he missed five." Yes, it's true. But there's been other years, most recently like 2021 or 2020. James James had 30. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. this is. 15 is an unusually low number for an interception leader. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm not concerned about the interceptions overall, especially in the context of whether my quarterback is throwing the football aggressively. That's more important whether whether or not he does that or versus successfully. That's the other thing too. Is he's successful at throwing the ball down the field when the interceptions don't happen. Uh, and and those plays more than make up for the turnovers. More sure. than make up. Uh, next question from at America's underscore team. He wants to know if the Cowboys lose on Sunday. I love the attitude already. already all right. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> what do you think the biggest reason might end up being? Uh, I got my reason. I, okay. Let's, let's hear it. Just rust, right? Like rust. they're one of the few teams that just didn't play any starters in week one. And typically that, <laughs> that leads to slower starts to the year, but hopefully you could have a longer term impact. If you keep all your guys healthy, like there's just a chance that they come out and they're rusty and you have guys dropping passes and miscommunication and coverage breakdowns. Like I think more than anything, and we saw that, you know, happen a little bit last year against Tampa Bay as well. They could just look really rusty on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, I think the idea in general that September football is preseason football, you know, so it's just, it means that, uh, you know, you see a lot of really good teams lose football games uh, because the, it, it's just like it doesn't feel like all the talent rises to the top the way it does once the season kind of has gone uh, a ways away, right? There's well, just there's a, there's a certain amount of just like the teams feeling each other out in the first three or four weeks of the season. I was going to say, you, use the 
two teams last year that they were in the uh, championship games. The Bengals started out the year 0-2. They had five turnovers against Pittsburgh in week one at home. And then they played the Cowboys in week two and lost to Cooper Rush, right? Like they played terrible the first two weeks of the season. Or take the 49ers, who they lost to the yeah. Bears, the worst team in football last year in week one. And then they turned around and played the Broncos, maybe the second worst team in football, <laughs> yeah. and lost to them in that game. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. ran out of the back of the end zone. So we saw like – super super elite teams last year come out of the gate really slow like that's i think that's just going to be more and more common in the 17 game season yeah and i think you know in general it's it's important to not kind of jump to conclusions based on the especially the very first game right it's really uh, this is the, the the team's kind of learning themselves a little bit figuring out what they're good at the first first real opportunity to be playing real football for a lot of these starters so uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really about fun. surviving it. Yeah. It's really fun to jump to conclusions and panic after sure, one game sure. a season. I just telling you, it gets people riled up on Twitter. It's it's a Absolutely. blast. <laughs> and then they will, and no matter what, they will. So it's uh, it, it'll be fun to see how they do it. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the Cowboys kind of changing philosophy when it comes to draft picks. We will get to that next. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fastest and the easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. I've talked about game time a bunch on this podcast. I absolutely love it. It's what I use to buy tickets. My favorite part is it shows you exactly how much you'll pay with all the taxes and fees included. And they'll show you a picture of exactly what your seats are going to look like so you won't be surprised at all. It is the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. The tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. You can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're in. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Landon, our last question here is a really good one from Dan, and I think he noticed something that you and I have noticed. He he says, Dallas has already traded away their fourth, fifth, and (laughs) sixth-round picks in next year's draft. Does this suggest that they may value these late round picks less due to the success of finding undrafted players who can contribute or something else? I, I, yes, but I also think it is showing you the value and how much they value the new analytics team that they brought in, right? Like clearly the changes, look, there's two things. It seems like since, they've started, I hired John Park and, and they've built this team. There has been two things that has happened. One, we've seen an increase in a couple more trades, right? Specifically what we're talking about here, these mm-hmm. late round flops or picks. Well, how many trades have they the made over the last, I mean, they, basically midway through last year, because they traded for Jonathan Hankins. They traded for Stefan Gilmore. They traded for Brandon Cooks. They traded up for Eric Scott, which we'll see. Am I missing any others? They traded for Trey Lance. I yeah, for Trey Lance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and did the, I'm trying to – did they trade for Gilmore too? Yeah, like, Gilmore. So Gilmore, yeah. Cooks, Trey Lance, Han- Hankins. That's four players, and none of them cost you more than a fourth-round pick. 
Yeah, and Hankins, you know, I mean, Hankins, obviously, Callens, but Hankins happened before Park yeah. and, and, and some of those guys. So I, I tend to think – and then also the, the, other, the other thing that I always wanted to, wanted to mention is all these contracts that are being signed. I mean, I, I think that a lot of this, you know, w- would have probably happened because you have a lot of people up, up. But the fact that they're getting these contracts signed early uh, and team-friendly deals, I think it has a lot to do with the kind of an- – the move of the analytics department into player personnel and player management. Um, you know, this is a very analytical way of looking at this flipping late round picks for proven veteran leaderships that are in contract situations that, you know, uh, uh, make it not palatable for their current team. That's, you know, finding that kind of, of, uh, uh, you know, area to kind of exploit is, is how, you know, the, frankly, the Eagles got, got, uh, built the team the way they did that, you know, so I, I think being able to use this tool of trading late round picks to kind of pry veterans that are valuable from situations that are not working for the team or for the veteran. um, I think it's a great way to accentuate what you've already got in uh, your ability to kind of draft and develop. Right. I think it's, it's a difficult balance that needs to be struck because if you're drafting and developing, obviously the draft picks are your lifeblood, but I think that there is a way to do it, do that and be smart uh and and you know try to leverage getting the the comp picks and and to refill your 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 coffers once you traded them away this is just smart you know team building and it's just another way that more modern front offices are getting good players onto their teams uh it's great to see the cowboys kind of kind of finally taking advantage of it and we're also seeing the cowboys are just cutting more draft picks than ever because they have a lot of talent in the middle of the roster uh, you know, like a guy like Jabril Cox got cut. Neville, Neville Gallimore made the roster, but he was kind of on the borderline. They trade away uh, Kelvin Joseph. Like they're just, they're moving on from a lot of these players by year three if they're not panning out. Um, so I just, I think the value of those picks has just gone down because there's just not enough roster spots for them. At the same time, it's not like they're not going to have any picks on day yeah. three. They're either going to trade down from round one, round two, but also they could make in-season trades. They're mm-hmm. also expected to get some sort of compensation for Dalton Schultz and Connor McGovern. So it's not like you and I are going to be able to take off the Saturday of the draft because we know the Cowboys <laughs> aren't going to make a pick. Like that's that's not going to be the case. I do want to mention the contracts because I thought that was really interesting. That's something yeah. you mentioned. For a couple of their younger players, uh, Terrence Steele and Trayvon Diggs, they signed both of those players to five-year deals. And yep. It just gives you so much flexibility and – by the time you get to year four and year five of those deals, there's no guaranteed money left. And when you look at like where the salary cap could be by those times, those could be just – those might be below market value by a significant margin, and you can move money around. And even players like Malik Cooker and Donovan Wilson, who you know guys that were a little bit older, because I think Donovan Wilson was an older rookie coming out, you get yeah. those guys on three-year deals where maybe historically the Cowboys have only given those guys one or two-year deals. Same thing. You can move some money around in the margins a little bit to help you retain some of your talent. Yeah, and then I, I also think it's worth pointing out because we haven't really discussed this yet. You know, They're doing other stuff like they just reduced Neville Gallimore's salary by $1.5 million. They're doing that despite the fact that they are still like – I, I, according to Joey Ikes, who I, I follow a lot of on a lot of this stuff, uh, I think there's still 10 million or maybe even 12 million beneath the spending floor, which to me reads like they're 
I, I wonder how close they are with this Dak Prescott contract. Or the CD I mean, one. Or, one. Or both, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I just want – because they're, they're underneath the contract for it. They're still making deals. They're moving money the other direction still, like, to get more room. To me, that reads like, hey, we know that we're about to have a huge number hit our books. We're trying to prepare it. Or they are getting themselves so that they can just – sign one more deal to get them barely over the spending floor and then trying to roll over a huge amount of money yep. of cap space into next year so that they can afford to pay for Parsons. And Just to be clear, and I am not a salary cap expert by any means, there's there's a difference in what we're talking about here between actual cash spending and yeah. salary cap space. Every team is required to spend, and I don't know the number offhand, X amount of dollars, actual cash Every single year. Million or something yeah. Like and like the that. Cowboys are below that. Like they've yeah. got to start spending some actual cash this year, despite, you know, not having a ton of salary cap in the future. So that's why you're seeing Terrence Steele get like a huge signing bonus right now to lower kind of the cap hits over the next couple of years. Right. And that's why we think a deal is, is ultimately going to be pretty close because if you don't spend that money, I think, I think he either gets, spread out to other teams or i'm not exactly there's a punishment uh from there's the, a punishment i think yeah, yeah i'm not sure exactly what the punishment to get I'm sorry i apologize <laughs> the I'm cowboys not. i wonder why because the cowboys have never been anywhere near the cash spending floor before right but yeah but it's just it's and this is typically what happens when you have a lot of really good players on cheap deals for a long time it's just you're not you're not giving up 40 or 50 million dollars as a signing bonus to any player they just haven't had to do that all that frequently over the last four or five years, and that's why they're in this position. Yeah, and again, you know, they're they're making moves to try to extend to get beneath that. To me, they're setting up pieces for a big deal. It yeah. seems like so. We'll see that how that all plays out. Uh, but they got to get above the cash spending floor, I think, for the it, game, right? It, yeah, and this isn't a thing of like the Cowboys don't have the money to do this. I know. Oh no, I, no. When I'm covering the Raiders, when when the Khalil Mack contract came up, they had the cap space to pay Khalil Mack. They literally, literally have didn't cash. have the cash to give him a forty million dollar signing bonus, which he asked for. That's why they had to trade him. That's that's not the issue for the Cowboys. They, <laughs> they literally did, they literally didn't have the cash to give Chandler Jones a spare key to the locker room. Is, is well, basically... that's a different issue, but yes, more or less. Uh, <laughs> listen, this is not locked on Raiders. This is if not locked on Raiders. But if that you want to listen to a train wreck, go listen to Locked On Raiders with our uh, your boy Q. He does a fantastic yeah. job. Uh, all right, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen every day. Again, every day is on tomorrow's show. Uh, we have a crossover show with Patricia Trena was very excited about this Giants team. Yeah. Let me tell you that. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. It's on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms. Go follow Landon on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we'll see you guys next time.